health, sickness, and death. I have many verses. This is a, this is a truly Bible study tonight. Many verses that we're going to pull rules from with some thoughts and just try to go through these very quickly and we'll sing another song about dying and going to heaven when we get to the end. What does the Bible say about health? What does it say about sickness and dying? The topic's been steeping or percolating for some time while I've been gathering notes. But we studied Luke 12 and 16 on Sunday that told us the spirit is far more crucial than your body. In Luke 12, Jesus said, Fear not them which kill the body. And after that, have no more that they can do, because killing your body is of little consequence. It's a nuisance. But I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast both body and soul into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. So that told us there in Luke 12 that the spirit of man is far more important than the body. And our spiritual lives are far more important than our physical lives. Then Luke 16 was the rich man who fared sumptuously every day and was dressed so well. And the beggar lying at his gate had dogs licking his sores. But we would rather be the beggar Lazarus than the rich man. Because there was a great reversal of fortune and the beggar Lazarus went to heaven and the rich man lifted up his eyes in hell. So we want to remember that. This is why the study tonight, it's been percolating. It's been sitting on a burner for months, but Sunday prompted it. My job is to point you to Christ and to heaven and little else. Health, sickness, death. This study is far from exhaustive, but that's okay. Let's lay down a few axioms, which is nothing but a rule. Let's lay down some rules from the Bible for health, sickness, and dying. Let's understand how we will deal with all three, in health, in sickness, or dying. We want the mind of Christ on this topic as all others. We don't want to overstate or understate death. Let's remember what both Adams have done. One's ruined us, one saved us. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Rule number one. Health is the best in youth, and it should be used for God's glory. I'm not going to elaborate on these. You can go look at them later, pray over them, think about them, share them with your family. We're going to lay out an axiom. We're going to show the Bible verses supporting it, and then I'll make some comments if they're needed. The Bible says, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not. These are not days of sinning. These are days of old age. Before old age comes, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Life isn't as pleasing when you're older as it was when you were younger, so remember your Creator now, Sawyer. The glory of young men is their strength, and the beauty of old men is the gray head. Health is the property of the young, for the most part. It's declining after certain ages, and I'm not going to get into human growth hormone and testosterone and the the decay of hormones in your system, but that's what the Bible says. And we, under, we know it from experience as well. Right. Rule number two, age deserves honor only when the aged are righteous. Just because you're old doesn't mean you deserve honor. We may give you a little bit because you've got a hoary head, but only if you're righteous. Because the Bible says this, the hoary head is a crown of glory if 
if it be found in the way of righteousness. We're talking about youth, health, age, sickness, and dying. Better is a poor and a wise child than an old and foolish king. We don't care that the king's old if he's foolish. And we don't care that it's a child if he's wise. Better is a poor and a wise child than an old and foolish king who will no more be admonished. We can learn lessons from that verse on both ends. The old ought to make sure they're being wise, and the young ought to try to be wise. So the aged should emphasize godly living over having a long life, because being old doesn't prove anything except you're about to die. We want to be living righteously when we're old so that we have a crown on our head as the gray hair appears, or the hair disappears. Rule number three. Spiritual health is far more important than any physical health. Oh, I want to convey this to all of you. My job is to point you to Christ and to heaven, and I'm trying to do it this way tonight. Spiritual health is far more important. They don't even compare than any physical health. If ye then be risen with Christ, and that is baptism, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. If we have been baptized to show the resurrection of Christ, then we want to act like he is living right now at the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for ye are dead. We're dead to this world. It's all over. We're just waiting for him to take us to glory. And your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. These are wonderful verses. I don't have time to give a little sermonette on each one. You're going to have to look at them later because I have got to go through. We have a hundred Bible verses. The elder under the well-beloved Gaius in 3 John, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. Notice that John puts Gaius' soul before his prosperity and his health. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth, I have no greater joy than to hear that your body fat has been reduced and that you are able to run a 5K in under 30 minutes. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. There's priorities for us, and we want truth and walking in truth being more important to us than physical health. Rule number four, we would rather be the beggar Lazarus than the rich man. It came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, he lift up his eyes. In hell, being in torments and seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom, in the bosom of the friend of God. We would rather be Lazarus the beggar with dogs licking our sores. Come here, puppy. Come here, puppy. I got something for you this morning. Look at those legs. Look at those legs I've got for you with all those sores. You say you're sick, pastor. Oh, that'd be better than to be the rich man and end up in hell. We want to keep our priorities right. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. The death is precious. The death is precious. Rule number five. 
Sickness due to age is natural and ordinary and to be expected. Some of you sometimes act like you're surprised. I don't understand. It's supposed to happen. Let's just embrace it. It's going to happen. We're not morbid. We're not foolish. But it's natural. It's ordinary. And it's to be expected. And it's not an act of God. Sometimes you act like it's an act of God. But it's not an act of God. It's an act of Adam. God's act is going to deliver you from all of it. Let's keep them separate. It's just coming. You know, once in a while, things happen to you that are acts of God, but not getting sick. That was an appropriate cough at the right moment. Let's look at the Word of God. Ecclesiastes 12. Remember, we've already had verse 1. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth before the evil days come. While the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened. You young people, the sun, the light, the moon, and the stars in your life is not, are not yet darkened, but they're going to be darkened. And it's, it's metaphorical for having a happy, carefree life. Nor the clouds return after the rain. Brethren, the clouds returning after the rain is a description. Is as soon as you get over one thing, you get something else. The rain quits, and the rain clouds come right back. And you have another, more rain in some other way on your body. And then the clouds come right back. That's what it means, nor the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble, those are the hands of an old man, and the strong men shall bow themselves, those are the legs, no longer able to hold the man upright and strong. And the grinders, those are your teeth, cease because they are few, and those that look out of the windows, those are your eyes, are darkened. Right. See, this is all normal, natural, proper, expected. Embrace it. You're not going to be able to see as well. Listen, I can't see you guys in the back row. Yes, I can. <laughs> but the vision's changing. Yes. And embrace it. I'm not going to wear glasses. I'll wear glasses when I'm going to kill somebody on the highway. Before I do that. But this is, this is normal. We're not going to stop it. Now, King David was old. Now, King David was one of the most virile men the Bible ever described. He was ruddy. And just a mighty man of valor, he was accomplishing things as a teenager uh, that were impressive. Dave, King David was old and stricken in years. How old are we talking about? He died at 70, so he could have been 68, 69, and they covered him with clothes, but he got no heat. Now, what a way to start a book of the Bible. 1 Kings 1.1, but he got no heat. Because it was over. But you know what kind of a heart was in David? earlier in life, but it was over. It's normal. Is this an act of God? Not at all. It's an act of Adam. The act of God comes one second after the act of Adam takes effect. I hope you're all with me. Complaining about health in old age is tiring to hear it and faithless on your part. I mentioned complaining. We don't want to hear it. If you want to tell us that you're sick, then take three seconds and do it, and then tell us ten good things in your life. There's so many good things, they far outnumber the bad things. Amen. You cannot stop the weakness in your flesh or the sickness, but you can learn to bear it, and to bear it cheerfully, and to bear it graciously. Lord, help us to die graciously. Rule number six, sickness and death are first and most the consequence of sin. 
Don't ever forget this rule. It's so important. If there's one thing to get me upset, it's to read anybody's blog, book, website, or anything about some health promise that doesn't recognize all sickness is not caused by missing vaccinations, poor doctors, poor medicine, poor health, poor nutrition, poor exercise. It's not any of those things. It's sin. It's always been sin. It will always be sin. And it's nothing else but sin. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. From the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. God told that to our first parents, and they chose death. Wherefore, as by one man, that's Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. We all sinned in Adam, and we all die because of sinning in Adam as our representative. There is no cure for sickness or death. But by Jesus Christ, do not put your hope in any kind of diet, exercise, or medicine. They cannot help. Jesus helps. Oh, if you want to whine to me that you think that you can add a month or you can add six months to your life by some radical nutritional protocol that you want to go on, I'll debate you anytime you want to. Let's see what you come up with. Calorie deprivation is the number one way to extend life. They've proven it over and over and over. Calorie deprivation. How exciting. Do you know what those words mean? It means starving yourself. The cure is not nutrition. It's not drugs. It's not vaccines, doctors, exercise, weight loss. The cure is Jesus Christ. The entire creation is under the bondage of corruption from sin. Rule number seven, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. This nation doesn't know anything about liberty compared to the liberty we're going to have. We're going to have liberty from death, liberty from sin, liberty from hell, liberty from the grave. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together. Until now, everything in the universe is groaning and travailing in pain. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. Amen. This is what we look forward to. We don't look forward to doctor's offices. We don't look forward to finding some new blog on the Internet. We look forward to the Lord Jesus Christ adopting us in the fifth phase of adoption, and that is the redemption of our bodies. Amen. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood, you do not want to have flesh and blood when you meet Jesus. Amen. This I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Because, as the next verse tells us, we shall be changed. Rule number eight, the average lifespan has been about 73 years since Psalm 90. That's, that is averaged by 38 and 108. If you listened to me earlier, the average lifespan's been 73 since Psalm 90. The Hebrew scribes put that, Mos that Psalm 90 was written by Moses, but when Moses wrote Psalm 90, Moses lived to be 110, 120, Joshua lived to be 110, Aaron lived to be 130. Uh, we'll just go with Psalm 90. 1,000 years B.C., it was already pegged at 73. 
The days of our years are threescore years and ten. There's the seventy. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Even if you live to be eighty, life is short and it's over before you thought it was going to be. I thank God through Jesus Christ my Lord for my 87-year-old father being here tonight. Amen. And the Lord preserving him in 87. Amen. Running into him at the gym during the week is a treat. Thank you, Lord. And he died in a good old age, full of days, riches and honor, and Solomon his son reigned in his stead. Who is this? If Solomon his son, David, he died in a good old age. So you want to live to be 100. Tell me what you're going to produce between 70 and 100. Or between 90 and 100. What are you going to do for us? Why do you want to live to be 100? David died at 70, and the Bible says it was a good old age, full of days, riches, and honor. Now, for those of you in here that are uncomfortably close to 70 or beyond 70, just forget this slide. We want to be balanced about the whole thing. But that's a good old age. If the Bible says it, do you know what I believe? The Bible, that it's true. That it's a good old age. If I'm no longer productive at 70, I don't want to live to be 71. As much as I would like my daughter Rebecca taking care of me every day, which wouldn't... Oh, she's listening to this. Are you sure, girl? That wet rag over your father's face. Remember we've talked about it before? Listen, if you lose your mind and your personality gets worse as you get older, I'll be eating grandchildren when I'm 75. <laughs> he died in a good old age, full of days. That's what the Bible says, full of days. The 120 years of Genesis 6-3, I've read so many Christian nutritionists and Christian this or that about health and life they don't understand Genesis 6-3 where the Bible says the days of man will be 120 years. All that meant was the flood was still 120 years away. It wasn't any statement about some ability to live to 120 baked into these bodies of ours. Do you know what's baked into our bodies? 70. Oh, the abuse of the Bible. The United Nations for years, 2010 to 2015, found life expectancy of the world at 71.5. Isn't that amazing? With all their actuarial efforts, they finally matched Psalm 90 and verse 10, written 3,000 years ago at the latest. Hezekiah, a great king and a favorite of God's, only made it to 54. Right. How did he get to 54? He was on his deathbed at 39. God gave him 15 years. I just want you to know that. It wasn't a 70-year-old man begging God for 15 more years. It was a 39-year-old man that thought he was going to get cut off in the prime of life that got 15, and he died at 54. Rule number nine. I'll go faster. It is natural and okay to desire to live a long life with blessings. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. It's okay. David did it. God wouldn't give this blessing unless it was a good thing. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee. That's a good life. And thou mayest live long on the earth. A long life. What is a long life? 70? 80? 
Rule number 10, the fastest way to deal with sickness or death is glorify God. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshiped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's do this when we're sick. You'll never be sick like Job was. You'll never be messed up like Job was. Let's be like Job, though. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Behold, in this thou art not just. Elihu gives the whole answer for the book of Job in five words. I will answer thee, Job. God is greater than man. God can do anything he wants to to you. And if you would glorify him, you'd be back at your fat table sooner. That's what Elihu told him in chapter 36. Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall. This is the man that was 39 years old, turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord. You can only pray to the Lord this way if you have met this kind of a life. If you don't have this kind of a life, then you can't pray this way. Just simple. And said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee, how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart, and have done that which was good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore, and he got 15 more years to live to the age of 54. We glorify God. God is greater than man. We are getting what we asked for in the Garden of Eden. We should embrace it and live as graciously through it as we can. God honors begging for life extension if you are righteous. Rule number 11. The church and pastor have spiritual goals, not physical And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Those are all spiritual duties and spiritual goals till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's my goal. That's your goal. So you're not going to get physical health talked about all the time in this church. There's other churches that will waste their time and your time by talking about such things. We're going to only deal with them as we have. We're not going to change. We're going to keep it that way. And I'm, going to, I'm reminding you right now as to why we do it the way we do it. Because our goals are spiritual goals, not physical goals. Wherefore, laying aside all malice, This is what we want to get rid of. This is more important to get rid of than cancer. Are you kidding me? This right here, all malice. Some of you in your relationship still hold on to malice. It's worse than cancer. Guile is worse than a heart attack. Hypocrisies, envies, evil speakings. Let's get rid of those things. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Growing spiritually by getting rid of these things and desiring the sincere milk of the word that we can grow spiritually. I want to help every honest child of God here tonight prepare for the day of your death and to prepare for debilitating sicknesses between now and then that we can live through them graciously, giving glory to God and having joy and peace in our hearts and looking forward to that chariot ride and loving one another and being confident in the day of judgment. But grow in grace. 
That's what we want to grow in. We don't want to grow in health as much as grow in grace. And in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. There are doctors, health clubs, and fitness blogs if you want to fuss about your body, but what a waste of time. We cannot turn our church into a place to talk long about health. We'll hear what's happened to you. We'll turn it over to the Lord. We'll make mention of it in our prayers, and we'll go on. Every one of you older people should care about the younger people in here ten times more than you care about yourself, that God will save their souls, and that we can impart to them some wisdom, and that they can be greater than us. That's what we want to do. Oh, why do we want to stay around longer when we're useless and worthless and just a burden on them? Lord, help us. Updates in prayer need not stress minor or ordinary sickness. So it doesn't. You may think it's the pastor's role to visit the sick. It's your role. Who in the world told you that a pastor's job is to visit the sick? I'll tell you who gave you that idea. The Church of Rome. So that they could bring that holy little wafer and stick it in your mouth on your bed and give you extreme unction. Last rites. It's not found in the New Testament. We would all do it. We'll all share visiting you in the hospital. Seeking attention for sickness, not successes, is a double sin. First sin is right here, seeking attention. Two, thinking that your sickness should get you attention is wrong. Three, your successes are more important. What we want to do is grow in grace. We want to grow in our spirituality and our knowledge of Christ and successful, victorious Christian living. Rule number 12. Grace for physical trials is often better than trials removed. Oh, when the Lord gives this, and he can give it, and he can give it like no other. Paul had a thorn in the flesh, but the Lord said, my grace is sufficient. And what did Paul respond with? Most gladly, therefore, will I waste time reading the internet for health benefits. No, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. You're not going to change them. They're going to get worse. They will change. They're going to get worse until they suck the vitality and life out of every part of your body. But let's let Christ fill us with his power and his strength. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. This is an opportunity we have coming. You say it's easy for you to say you're in pretty good health. Well, remind me when I'm not. I'm preparing for it right now. Amen. That's why I'm doing this tonight. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Thank you, Edith, for contributing that verse. All things work together for good. Rule number 13, spiritual reasons to live are better than any other reasons. Spiritual reasons. For the grave, this is Hezekiah. Oh, these are good verses. This is Hezekiah. Remember, 39 on his deathbed, 15 years. This is his prayer. For the grave cannot praise thee. That's spiritual. The grave cannot praise thee. Death cannot celebrate thee. They that go down to the pit cannot hope for thy truth. Those are the reasons to stay alive, to praise God, to celebrate God, and to hope in his truth. The living, the living, he shall praise thee. 
as I do this day, the father to the children shall make known thy truth. That is why you want to live longer and you want to tell the Lord that. This is why you want to live longer. To praise him, to celebrate him, and to convey truth to the next generation. Paul said, oh, that is just so good, but I have to move on. For I am in a strait betwixt two. This is the Apostle Paul. I am in a tight place between two options. Having a desire to depart this world and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you, so I'll hang around for a while. That's what Paul said. What's this rule? Spiritual reasons for long life are better than any other reason. The Bible is silent about seeing anyone graduate or get married. Right. I'm a grandparent, and I probably have more grandchildren than you do. But this is true. The Bible is silent about those things. Rule number 14, carnally or earthly minded is a trait of the enemies of Christ. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. What makes a person an enemy of the cross of Christ? They mind earthly things. They worry about their health. They mind earthly things. They're thinking about earth instead of heaven, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, because they're belly worshipers, because their body's more important than their spirit, and whose glory is in their shame. The stuff they talk about is shameful to be talking about your health all the time. Tell me about your spirit. Tell me about your love of Christ. Celebrate him to me. For to be carnally minded is death. To be thinking that way is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, and so forth and so on. Rule number 15, anger, bitterness, envy, and such sins, they cause sickness. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. It is a choice if you have a broken spirit. You chose to have a broken spirit. You chose to get up and feel sorry for yourself today. A merry heart is a choice, and it does good like a medicine. A sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy, the rottenness of the bones. Amnon was so vexed in lusts that were not ruled that he fell sick for his sister Tamar. Unbelievable how terrible lusts are. For she was a virgin, and Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her, but he wanted to do something to her, and so the conflict in him ate him alive until he was sick in bed. Vexed. Some of you are vexed because you don't know how to hold relationships the right way, the godly way, the peaceful way, the loving way. Lord, help us to learn how to do it. Right. Sickness can be caused by sin. They are called psychosomatic illnesses. This word right here, psycho, is for the mind, and somatic is the body. It's the mind causing your body to have symptoms and sicknesses and diseases. Science continues to discover the truth the Bible had long before, 3,000 years ago when it was written. Science is... Surely you've read about the benefits of love. Monogamous couples that live with the same person for a long time live longer. That's the Bible. That's love. That's the security of love because you have a committed partner. And joy, laughter, laughter and enjoying life is a benefit and those people live longer. The people that get angry 
and are picky, detail freaks, always worried about everything being perfect. They don't live as long, and they certainly don't live as peaceful. Peace in your relationships. You don't have the angst of hatred, malice, envy eating at your soul. Surely, you, you already read about this. This is a book I was privy to when I was still single digits, and I'm thankful that my father had it in his library. These two MDs 50, 60 years ago, oh, maybe if I read it, it's 100, but none of these diseases, and the book is about these psychosomatic illnesses that if we would keep God's word in our relationships, in our attitudes, in our spirit, we would live much better and longer. Right. You can easily find this book. They've sold over a million copies of it over the last 60 years. Our church and pastor are to help us to help each other live rightly. Amen. Not necessarily live longer. To live rightly for as long as we live. Rule 16. Doctors often do not help, and they require a lot of money to try to help. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, and had suffered many things of many physicians. Oh, that's a terrible clause. The poor woman had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. 12 years. And Asa, in the thirty and ninth year of his reign, was diseased in his feet, gout, until his disease was exceeding great. Yet in his disease he sought not to the Lord, but to the physicians. And so what are the next three words? And Asa slept. That means he died. He wanted to seek to the physicians instead of the Lord. Doctors killed our first president. Yep. Terrible story. And the stories can be multiplied about their ignorance. And I'm not saying that about all doctors at all times. I'm not saying that at all. Visiting doctors is like mechanics. They must find something wrong. They, they, you're not going to go into a doctor and have him say, you are sound from top to bottom. Come back and see me in 10 years, 5 years. You, they don't do it. You're going to go and say, I just don't feel right. They're going to test you this and test you that and waste all of our taxpayers' money if you're getting it paid for by the government, or they're going to waste your money if you're paying for it by your insurance through higher premiums. They're just going to keep testing you until they find something that they can say, well, this is a problem. Just as if, if you took your perfectly run, running vehicle into a mechanic and said, I just don't know if it's running right. They will find something because they can only make a living. And when I say they, I mean doctors and mechanics. They can only make a living if they find something wrong. It's amazing that we've made it this far in the world, 6,000 years without them. <laughs> they have a limited place. They have made progress in some fields, so once in a while we give them a shot. Especially if it involves cutting off a gangrenous foot or something like that. Uh, re re replacement shoulder some of the other surgeries, the, the laser surgeries in your eyes and so forth. Mm. Health choices are a matter of liberty. Rule number 17, but try to be prudent. Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. 
We're not going to entertain or allow debates in our church about different health ideas. If you have your health ideas, the Bible says in the same chapter, keep it to yourself. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. Because the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's not doctor's offices. It's not health protocols. It's not nutrition. It's not vitamins. It's, not, it's none of those things. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Right. And if you want optimal health for what is programmed into your DNA, if you want optimal health, then you will emphasize righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, and you will live the best that you can possibly live. We will not take sides or promote forms of medicine, alternative medicine, traditional medicine. Go and do your thing. Or nutrition. We're not going to take sides on it. We all have opinions. I have pretty strong opinions, but I hope that you don't hear them. This applies to vaccinations and anything else that you can think about. If you want to get vaccinated twice, just to make sure, that's your call. If you don't want to get vaccinated at all, that's another call. We are not keto idolaters here. If you ever hear me say the word keto and you're tired of hearing it, come to me with Psalm 104 that says that God made wine to make glad the heart of man, oil to make his face to shine, and a, a B word, bread. We're not keto idolaters for any temperate diet will work well. You know, I'm tempted to put on a few pounds and show you that it can be lost just as fast on a high-carb, low-fat diet as long as you have this word in your life. Because that word right there is more important than this word. Brethren, I have 30, I have 30 axioms. I've only made it through 17, and I'm sorry for poor time management. They'll be on the website, and... If I feel that there is value in going over them again with you in an assembly like this, we'll do that. I hope that I've said enough. Oh, the points at the end are the best. <laughs> oh, I've... Okay, thank you for asking for three more. Amen. <laughs> you can have great confidence facing death and hellfire. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? And not one of them is forgotten before God? Amen. Not one of them is forgotten before God. But even, 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 that word means an extreme example of God's care. Even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Do you like those verses? Amen. Do you know where they are found in the Gospel of Luke? Immediately following I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Right. The next verse is the sparrows. Because he was sending his preachers out, and he told them, don't be afraid of men. They're going to kill you. Be afraid of the one who has charged you to preach his gospel. But while you're fearing him, who has the power of death and hell, remember, he also takes care of sparrows, and you're a whole lot more valuable than sparrows. Do you, New context is good sometimes, brethren. The context is beautiful. This passage, Donald, 
And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. That is why the pressure from this pulpit, the ranting from this pulpit, for your relationships to be loving like the Bible describes them to be. Because of this and a thousand other verses like it that tell us that love is the greatest in the Bible. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. This is not boldness in prayer. I mean, we can be bold in prayer because Jesus Christ tore the veil and we can go straight in the presence of God. This is boldness in the day of judgment. This is boldness with the heat emanating from the lake of fire. This is boldness in the day of wrath. Boldness in the day of wrath. How can we have boldness in the day of judgment? Because as he is, so are we in this world. What is he? He is love. And if you love, then God dwells in you and you dwell in God. When you fuss and fight with your spouse, you do not show that you are related to God. You are going to hell. So stop fighting with your spouse. Stop fighting with everyone. Withdraw. Submit. Pacify. It's beautiful. Boldness. In the day of death and in the day of judgment. 29, you can have great joy, peace, and hope while sick in bed. Blessed is he that considereth the poor. I wonder why that pops up again. There's nothing here about imputed righteousness because it doesn't help. Not these arguments about practical righteousness. Notice, here's the man that loves. This is love. Blessed is he that considereth the poor. The Lord will deliver him in the time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him. The Lord will keep him alive. He shall be blessed upon the earth, not in heaven. He'll be blessed on the earth. And thou wilt not deliver him under the will of his enemies. And now it gets better. The Lord will strengthen him upon the bed of languishing. Thou wilt make all his bed in his sickness. That's in the Bible. How do you get that? Blessed is he that considereth the poor. When you consider the poor, we are poor compared to God, and he'll take care of us. Look at that. Now the God of hope fill you with, fill you with all joy, all peace, in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. But this is only for the obedient and righteous by their good works. This blessing of taking their bed up in the time of languishing because God will repay them and reward them for their practical obedience to him. You can exercise your new man to build him into a strong man. You can approach the day of judgment strong, bold, confident. Number 30, mocking sickness and death is possible for righteous with faith. Lord, give us this kind of a victory over our fears. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. 
but who took them both out of the way? Thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Therefore, because of that, what effect should it have on us? Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Not in exercise, not in nutrition, in the work of the Lord. That's to a church, not to a minister. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord, because you're going to get the reward of the internal, eternal inheritance. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Amen.